Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Before we get into the podcast today, I just want to give everybody a heads up on a virtual investor presentation that's going to be happening on the 8th of September. Now, that's with Almonte Industries. And Almonte are currently developing um, one of the world's largest, well, actually will be the world's largest tungsten mine outside of China. So do sign up for that presentation. There'll be a link in the notes to this podcast for you to do that. A bit of background on on tungsten. It has the highest melting point of any metal. It's it's used in applications from semiconductors all the way through to space rockets. And really, we're starting to see a supply um, issue coming through to the extent that it's been put um, by by the EU, sorry, as a critical raw material due to um, the supply issues and the high economic impact of the the metal. So do check out that investor presentation that's coming up on the 8th of September. So let's get into the podcast now. And to do that, we're very kindly joined once again by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Hi, Jonathan. It's good to be back. So we've got a couple of stocks that we're going to discuss as usual. But first of all, Alan, let's just have a look at markets today. And we're seeing a FTSE 100 that is marginally down on the day. But what's really interesting uh, today is when we look at the German DAX and the outperformance that we're seeing in that market, very much based on the news that the German government are going to be prolonging their um, furlough scheme out to uh, to next year, and very much contrasting to what we're doing here in the UK, where that's set to to finish in October. Now, if we're looking at the FTSE 100, maybe not the best measure of uh, of sentiment on the furlough scheme due to uh, the makeup of the FTSE 100 constituents being very much weighted towards um, precious metals and, and indeed um, those uh, those companies that are operating overseas. A huge amount of FTSE 100 revenue does come from overseas. But if we look particularly at UK banks and the house builders, Alan, what do you think the impact's going to be for um, those companies if we do see the furlough scheme uh, as it is set to, to finish in October actually end, and then we'll probably be seeing significant levels of uh, of unemployment. Do you think we're going to see significant volatility in those companies, or, or is it priced in, and, and could we see Rishi uh, potentially um, extending the furlough scheme, um, as we've seen in, in Germany and indeed also in Ireland so far? That's a very good point, Jonathan. I, I think the... Um... I think Rishi uh, is between a rock and a hard place, really. I, I think the pressure that is will be on him now to extend the furlough scheme into next year is uh, w- will almost be irresistible. Um, and we've seen, I mean, looking at the performance of the DAX this morning, it's uh, it's risen again, and it, it seems incredible, really, that uh, we have markets rising on the back of government intervention. But um, but the fact is that's happening. So. 
Uh, of course, we have the uncertainty. Um, the, the potentially, potentially, one could say that if the if the furlough scheme does end, we're going to see businesses going bust. We're going to see loans uh, loans uh, that, that that will be defaulted. Uh, they'll be defaulting all over the place on commercial loans. Businesses won't be able to pay back uh, their loans because they they won't be able to operate in their in in the way they had done hitherto. Uh, or uh, up to the point of the of of the uh, lockdown. So there are so many variables in the mix. My my own personal view is that uh, I think the government will have to uh, create some extension or at least provide businesses with some, with some form of additional ongoing support um, throughout the crisis. There is also the argument too, and I. Um, I, I wasn't, that, in fact, uh, discussing this with my brother-in-law, who runs an events business, and he's uh, he is he is uh, certainly facing uh, a, a set of problems there at the moment. Um, but um, th- th- there is the view uh, um, that uh, that really um, at this stage now, perhaps we should, as we're moving closer to a vaccine, and as some existing drugs are proven to be. Uh, to, to be effective in 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 uh, increasing resistance or, or or killing the bug, um, that we should maybe just go back and let people get back to work and try to return to normal. But if the markets they're dealing with haven't returned to normal, that's that's going to be that's going to create a bunch of difficulties in itself because they they won't be able to operate normally and generate the sort of revenues they had done previously. Um, so my my own view is that I think Rishi will have to create some form of alternative scheme. If he doesn't extend the furlough scheme, he's going to have to create some form of alternative support for businesses, which in turn will provide a boost for the FTSE, but um, um, could arguably create more pressure on some of the financials, particularly the banks, because they'll be the ones ultimately footing the bill. Indeed. So you mentioned there that the vaccine and potential of a vaccine. Of course, we've had uh, further news this week of positive results. Obviously, there's, there's a lot more testing that needs to be uh, done in a vaccine that's being driven in uh, in Oxford. I mean, how much do you think that Rishi is um, gambling to some extent that there's going to be um, further developments in a vaccine by October to the extent that um, industry and and, uh, and companies start to see positivity coming from uh, from a vaccine, and then start to position themselves for a, a normalisation of of business, when really you know that, that's setting ourselves up for a, a bit of a fall if this uh, this vaccine doesn't come around. Um, we're in a situation where the government isn't prepared for a situation where uh, you know, companies have to make a lot of people uh, unemployed and, and then the follow through on the economy um, is a little bit more devastating, uh, mm. well, a lot more devastating than, than what we've seen so far. I mean, when you're looking at these sort of stocks, is you know the, the market sort of pricing in uh, a vaccine at this point in time before the end of the uh uh, the furlough scheme, and if that doesn't come about, could we see a lot more downsides? I think that there's that there is indeed potential for a lot more downside, Jonathan, um, because ultimately, if we can't get the country back to work at some level or in some way, shape, or form, um, 
th- th- there is going to be huge risk. Um, but uh, it does seem that um, the markets as such aren't overly affected by by the uh, prospect of additional monetary stimulus uh, measures, simply because um, by doing that, you're devalu- uh, effectively devalues fiat currency, you're printing more money and pushing it out into into the market to, to support an economy, devaluing the currency. Uh, thereby, um, you, I, I guess one could say you're artificially boosting the price of commodities. Of course, you're not. That, those are just market forces at work. But um, um, it could... Um, it could uh, uh, indirectly stimulate a re- a recovery in the junior mining and resources and energy markets, and um, and we could see a migration of workers from uh, uh, traditional economies and you know uh, uh, high street retailing, property, and so on. We could see a, a migration of uh, workers into into that sector. So um, the the thing is, of course, this has not happened before, and. Everyone's trying to predict outcomes based on modelling, uh, um, modelling forecasts, and trying to predict what's happened. It's it's really a question of where is the activity happening, and certainly as I see it, um, I see uh, I, I see a lot of activity in the mining and resource sector, and there is a search like never before for precious metals, gold in the ground, commodities, and and other assets, and I think. Um, and I think uh, all the while that's happening, then to some degree that will offset the the um, the, the the downgrade and the problems being faced by um, financial services, by banks, by property property companies, and so on. Yes, yeah, so I think you you mentioned there a recalibration of the economy, and I think what we're starting to see um, due to COVID nineteen is that pickup uh, in pace. Obviously, we're seeing trends such as online shopping that were, of course, there before. That's really sort of starting to speed up and we're starting to see jobs shift into that area. But of course, recalibrations in uh, economies, you know, tend to leave some companies behind. So inevitably, there, there will be some fallout there, which is something we will be covering on the UK Investor Magazine uh, podcast going forward. But just want to move on now, Alan, to the, the first stop that we're going to discuss today. And to some extent, this is involved in a recalibration, mm. but more of a recalibration in the energy markets. And the company is Ectech. And anybody that does attend the UK Investor Magazine virtual investor presentations would have uh, heard from David Palumbo when he uh, presented earlier on this year on one of the UK Investor Magazine virtual presentations. But they've had an update today, uh, Alan. Shares are up 10%. On the yep. year, uh, the company has, has gone from around uh, 0.2 of a penny up to, to nearly 0.7. Uh, so a huge move there in shares. But what does uh, today's uh, announcement look like? And what does it mean for the company? Well, it, it's a very significant step forward for um, EgTech. Um, but uh, before I go, I, I, I look at the announcement for today. Just want to give everyone a an overview of the company. So EgTech are, uh, provide um, advanced gasification technologies, which is to say they'll take uh, refuse-derived fuels, uh, uh, known as RDF, from um, uh, municipal, industrial, commercial organisations, and they will shred, dehydrate, and then uh, and then that waste is, super, is superheated to create um, 
energy, uh, and that's, uh, of course, heat and, and electricity. The process, of course, um, impacts positively on climate change, so it's very much in keeping with uh, the policies of governments around the world in that regard. Um, the company um, the company uh, has a number of models. Uh, it has a, uh, obviously, its technology, its kinetic model, um, and also its monitoring services platform. So that's the after sales um, and the and the, the the monitoring platforms uh, for the technology that it installs. And unlike, um, rather than having to set up its own unique uh, center to deal with this waste, it actually works with existing um, existing waste plants and biomass plants to incorporate its technology into into those plants it has projects all over the world um, in spain bulgaria italy croatia poland um, and uh, the, the company um Ectec is able to earn from its uh, its endeavors uh, in at a number of levels of course it provides the equipment and the sales and service it provides operators and uh, operators and teams to maintain the technology um, it earns fees from technology licensing um, and where it does have um, its own unique uh, uh, plant as such, it'll, uh, it'll earn gate fees uh, and, of course, uh, fees from the sale of electricity. Um, a number of uh, special uh, purpose vehicles have been set up to operate these plants around the world and um, uh, EgTech earns income from those. Um, it'll also take dividends from these as well and also it's, um, it earns... Uh, fees from providing financing to to set up the the, the plants in the first place. So um, the, uh, today, the company announced um, that it has signed an equipment sales service contract with um, a, a UAG, which is a German um, energy company, uh, to, um, to 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 provide a. a a gasification project in central Greece in Larissa, uh, and it'll be the the first such plant actually in Greece, um, and uh, it will be uh, it will be a collaboration framework of agreement between the two companies to develop to to, to develop the uh, the project to take the uh, the, uh, the the waste from the from the uh, from, from from the municipal industrial and commercial organisations around the country, and obviously provide energy uh from the from uh, from from the process so it's it's a further step forward and um looking at the uh the uh, uh, the projections the company's made for the year um uh, up to up to this point the company had said it already has 10 uh, had 10 commercial inquiries and i believe the UAG uh, uh announcement today was one of these um and expected to uh, convert these inquiries it received during the first half of 2020 into up to 120 million uh, in in sales, which is a pretty impressive number. And and also the the companies provided some guidance earlier in the year um, from the the sales pipeline. It estimates some um, seven million euros in revenues for this year, um, still running at a small loss. Next year, however, we expect 40 million in revenues, which will result in a profit of 5.5 million euros with 65 million in revenues and 11 million in profit the year after that. So it's very much on a runway. And I can see, I think we can see with the 
share price performance uh, year to date. It's jumped very strongly uh, in May when the shares were trading at 0.2p, um, up to today where we're trading at 0.68p, not far off year highs from 0.8p. So um, th- 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 there is possibly a potential fly in the ointment, but it's not it's not a huge issue. Um, a US company called RE's Clean Energy uh, filed a patent infringement against Ectech regarding its technology. Um, and Ectech, in fact, responded at the end of uh, July and said it considered the claim to be opportunistic as Aries Clean Energy didn't invent the technology themselves that they are claiming as for, for, as, um, Ectech has, has uh, infringed. Um, rather, they acquired the technology in a bankruptcy auction for $140,000 uh, some years ago. So um, Ectech is providing a robust, a robust response and defense in this regard. So we don't expect it to be an issue. Um, the company is well funded. Of course, it has um, it raised uh, um, uh, 10 million early this year in an oversubscribed placing through primary bid. So um, it, it looks very much uh, given the announcement today as though these commercial inquiries are turning into sales. And of course, um, if we're hitting these forecasts, then we have a market cap currently of 46 million. I think we could go an awful lot higher from here before too long. So, Alan, there's still a lot of focus, investor focus on fossil fuel companies. I mean, how much do you think that investors are underestimating the opportunity in companies such as EcTech that are very much uh, at the forefront of the push towards uh, cleaner fuel production, very much uh, at the forefront of the circular economy. I mean, do you see investors really starting to wake up to this more as we as we go uh, um, through you know certain changes in the fossil fuel uh, industry? And do you think that you know investors that are sort of looking at these companies now really need to start looking into the area in a little bit more detail? I think they're already looking into it, uh, Jonathan. I, I mean, we, we've had uh, there are a number of companies in this field, um, and uh, I think you know Powerhouse Energy uh, is another aimless company that also in a similar field. But I think the difference is with Ectech; it's actually out there. Its plants are installed; they're earning money. They are they're basically impacting already on climate change, um, and the technology is being adopted. And I think. If you're if you're going to invest into this technology, you want to you, you want to invest into a technology that is proven, that's already out there, already out there working working and uh, generating energy uh, by um, by burning this RDF, the refuse de- derived fuel, um, and with the sales pipeline going forward. And I think you know, EgTech ticks every box in this respect, and I think this is why it's a real exciting growth opportunity. And really, you know. You compare the market capitalization of Ectech with uh, with other other sort of uh, um, energy producers around the world. It's a it's a fraction of those right now, but I think this technology is going to be taken up and adopted uh, at an increasing rate of knots. Um, and uh, really, there's a great opportunity to get in at the shop floor now before before we go too much higher. Exactly. So. Anybody that would like some further details on EgTech, do refer to the UK Investor Magazine website and look in the video section where you'll be able to see that presentation uh, that took place a few months ago with the CEO of EgTech, David uh, Palumbo. 
So moving on now, Alan, this is one that we've discussed uh, on numerous occasions in the past, very much in a sector that's currently got a lot of uh, interest for investors, and that's in gold and precious metals. And we're just going to take a quick look at ECR Minerals, Alan. What's been happening there? Well, um, ECR Minerals have had a, a very exciting uh, year to date. I mean, if we look at the the share price performance, um, in fact, the, the chart looks very similar to, to EgTech. There was not a, a great deal happening um, up to up to uh, May, and then boom, all of a sudden it came to life. And just referring back to the points I made earlier about um, about uh, the uh, the increase in value in precious metals, we've seen gold blast through the two thousand dollars a troy ounce barrier this year. We've seen silver prices um, uh, rise in recent weeks, and commodities generally are rising. So um, there's a lot of well, there's I would describe as almost feverish interest in um, small cap mining companies that have quality assets, and certainly ECR is very much in that category. Um, but uh, ironically, its location at the moment is hampering its efforts to to develop the the two key projects. So um, so ECR has a a portfolio of licenses. In the Victoria region, in in uh, southern Australia, just north of uh, north of Melbourne, um, and uh, the two key projects are the Crezzy project, which is in uh, a well known area for um, for gold production. In fact, I discussed Power Metal Resources last week. They they have also some licenses in the area, but ECR have moved their their uh, and uh, and uh, they've moved their projects forward uh, considerably over the past year and um, they have uh, they have basically uh, um, sampled sampled the um, uh, the uh, uh, um, the soils in the Kresik uh, area and um, they have they have basically discovered um, significant um, amounts of gold deposits in the territory uh, within the license application um, and uh, the, the the license uh, area it covers uh, in Kresik, it's the Dimex main shale, which extends uh, um, which extends across the area. The um, uh, they've they've produced um, samples from the the whole of bag sampling they've undertaken, sixty three grams per ton of gold um, uh, in, in one sample, and um, on the back of that um, they are in discussions with. A number of major mining players, including the third largest mining company in the world, to develop um, the Kresik project. There is also the Bayliston project, um, which is uh, it, which is further north uh, northeast of Kresik, um, close to the Fosterville Gold Mine, um, which is owned by Kirtland Lake Gold, um, and that's uh, produced produced six hundred nineteen thousand ounces of gold in two thousand nineteen, um, um, but. It, Equally significantly, Newmont Mining, which is the which is one of the world's largest mining companies, made an, a license application um, adjacent to ECR's Bayliston territory, um, and a number of uh, a number of pro, uh, prospects across that license area include Blue Moon, Cherry Tree, and Black Cat. And we've seen sampling there produce seventeen and a half grams per ton. Um, but the as I say, the the, um, the what is hampering the development of these projects at the moment is that uh, mining companies or the potential partners 
are waiting to um, uh, go and look at uh, look at look at the uh, look at look at the prospects in detail, um, with a view potentially to a joint venture, a farming agreement, and of course this can't happen because COVID has resulted in a lockdown in the region. And indeed, uh, before we uh, early this morning, I, I spoke with a, a, a colleague of mine who was uh, actually uh, in Victoria at the moment, and he he's basically said it's almost like a police state. You literally can't move. So, of course, it's hampering any developments and any movements uh, in the area. But clearly, once uh, once uh, we get uh, Victoria get it under control, then uh, we, we expect we expect to. Uh, um, uh, movement and business to start to move, albeit in uh, w- w- with limitations. So um, there is every pro- every uh, every expectation that this team will get out and uh, ECR will be able to move on and develop these projects. It also has royalty agreements with uh, um, the SLM Gold project in Argentina, which it uh, offloaded early this year, and also an in- uh, 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 an interest with. Uh, Fosterville South exploration on future production from some t- some uh, licenses that it sold earlier in the year. Um, I, I mentioned the share price. ECR currently has a market cap of just 13 million. Um, shares have been as high as 2.6p, currently at 2.1p at the moment. Um, and clearly, if they're if uh, it's able to move on and develop uh, Kresic and Bayliston projects uh, with with uh, with, with uh, uh, joint ventures, farming agreements, and what have you, then we're, we're going to see a very exciting uh, period uh, of development for ECR Minerals. I mean, Alan, if they're not able to agree any farming agreements, I and mean, is this a project that the company ECR Minerals has the, the resources within themselves to develop it and start to see a level of revenue coming from these mines? Well, certainly uh, a further fundraiser earlier in the year um, uh, bought, uh, bought uh, um, uh, money into the company and uh, ECR is very well, very well funded. So um, uh, in recent uh, weeks also, there have been a number of warrants exercised and further cash has been raised from the warrants. So the company is now fully funded through to probably uh, the, uh, the middle of next year. If it decides to go it alone with with mining those projects then uh, obviously it will have to raise additional monies but um given the quality of gold they've already discovered there i think that's something the ceo craig brown is quite prepared to do if they're not able to to agree a farming agreement but given as, as i mentioned earlier, the feverish levels of activity in the area i i i i believe that they probably will um agree some sort of farming uh, or joint venture deal with some of the bigger players in the region. Fantastic, fantastic. So, Alan, thank you very much for that. And as a as a recap, that the companies that we've mentioned uh, today are Ectech, that's trading under the ticker EQT, and just now was ECR Minerals trading under the ticker of ECR. Alan, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Been good to be here. So just as a reminder, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, the Almonte presentation is coming up on the 8th of September. So do sign up to that. There will be a advert in the UK Investor Magazine newsletter, and there will be a link to that in the notes of this podcast. Thank you very much.
We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.